Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis about Abraham's contentment of God as his reward and how for us, Jesus is everything and everything is in Jesus. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes. We want to encourage you to sign up at friendshipwithgod.org for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's one verse, one scripture from the Bible and a comment from Tom Cantor. It's a great encouraging daily devotional verse that you'll receive through your email or it'll come directly to your phone. So you can sign up for this daily devotional verse at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. We do appreciate your listenership and support of the Friendship with God radio program. And your support is critical to keeping this Bible teaching radio program on the air as well as the gospel going out. Because with every donation we receive for the Friendship with God radio program, we also receive a matching donation towards Jewish evangelism. So if you donate $100, we have a matching donation of $100 that's given towards Jewish evangelism for Israel Restoration Ministries and the gospel going out around the world to the Jew first and also to Gentiles. So help us to get the gospel out by supporting this radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a matching donation. To donate, you can go online at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us now or after the program at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor with today's teaching from the book of Genesis. And so God, in essence, is saying to Abraham, of all the options that I have available to me to protect you, Abraham, I myself am going to be your shield. And that's exactly in line with what God said in Hebrews 6.13. And when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself by saying to Abraham, I am thy shield. God was again, he was in the by no greater mode. Is it by no greater? So as it comes to protection, this is the spirit, in the spirit of this Hebrews 6.13, in this by no greater mode, when it's applied, so we could say, for when God protected Abraham, because he could protect him by no greater, he protected him by himself, when he said, I am thy shield. And in the same way, when God went out to say to Abraham, I am thy exceeding great reward, we can again, just like with the shield, God's walking through his storehouse and every good thing is there and he could, that he could give to Abraham. And, he, and it's great. It says, you know, in Deuteronomy 10, 14, the heaven and the heavens of heavens is the Lord thy God, the earth also and all that is therein. In Psalm 50, verse 10, every beast of the forest is mine, God says, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. And so we can see God and he's looking over his inventory list of everything that he's got. And he sees all these items on there, heaven, heaven of heavens, earth, every beast, etc., and he considers, he says, boy, I can, how can I make Abraham really happy? And he says, I could give him the largest cattle herd on earth, like the King Ranch. You know? No, I need something greater to make Abraham happier. And so he said, I, you know, I could give him a big, vast land. Give him Texas all the time. No, I need something greater to make Abraham happy. So he said, I need something to make Abraham perfectly content. And so God says, I know. He says, I'll say to Abraham, I myself am thy exceeding great reward. 
And again, he's in this mode of buy no greater from Hebrews 6.13. So it comes to making Abraham happy and content. It's in the spirit. It's applied here so we can say, for when God wanted to make Abraham happy and content, because he could give Abraham no greater, God made himself Abraham's reward. So everything, God says, it's yours, Abraham. And when God did this, he had in mind Hebrews 13.5 which says, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you had. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know, the story is told about a Roman, a rich Roman man, and his son was very, very rebellious. So he decided, this Roman man decided to leave all of his riches and everything to his one servant, whose name was Marcellus. And so he calls his son in, and his son, he says, now, son, he says, I've decided to leave everything to my faithful servant, Marcellus. He says, but before I die, I'll give you just one wish, just one thing you can ask me, and what is that? And the son thinks for a while, and he says, I want Marcellus. (laughs) Because when he had Marcellus, he had everything. When we have the Lord Jesus Christ, we have everything. It's very important that as we see how important this sequence was that happened here. Because this verse starts off with after these things. And those things were very, very important. That was the things where the king of Sodom had offered Abraham the rewards of what had belonged to the king of Sodom. And Abraham refused those rewards. And then after that, this is the sequence, after that, God came along and offers to Abraham a much greater reward of himself as Abraham's real reward. So you can't help but wonder as you read that if God was watching very carefully for what Abraham would say when the king of Sodom came to Abraham and offered Abraham what used to belong to him. You can't help but wonder if God was saying, let's just see what Abraham's going to do. And I hope he refuses the rewards of the king of Sodom because if Abraham does refuse those rewards, I can't wait to step in and give him a far greater reward of saying that I myself are your exceeding great reward. And I can't do it, maybe God was saying, I can't do it until Abraham first gives up what he really shouldn't take. And he can't help but wonder, as we think about that, if God is not saying the same thing about us. We're faced with a temptation, like Abraham was. Just compromise a little. Oh, it's all right. You can use it. Just take it. Let the, it'll go past and you'll forget about it. Just take it. And God is watching and he's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Just like saying to Abraham, don't do it. Don't do it because I've got something so much greater for you if you just refuse it. You don't compromise. Don't take it. Because one thing true about God is that no one ever loses. No one ever loses for giving up something in order to honor God. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, he said, no man, in Mark 10, 29 through 30, no man has left houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospel, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this life houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. But with all that we've seen about God's statements of I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward, we can't lose sight of the fact of that one all-important word that God said before he said that, and that's the word Abram. 
He said, Abram. God said, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. By saying Abraham's name before he made this promise, God was emphasizing that who he was speaking to, he was speaking to Abraham as an individual, and God is dealing with man on a personal, individual basis. And when we look at the big church congregation, and it's so easy to think, God deals with people en masse. God deals with people as part of a big church. Who am I uh, in such a great big church congregation? And especially watching television, you see the, the camera pan out over the audience of the TV evangelist, and you see the thousands, and, and it's, it's pretty easy to think, well, who am I? I'm just the one that helps make up the thousands or the ten thousands. And when the pastors say, you know, we're running 350 every Sunday, or, well, we're running 2,000 every Sunday, or we're running 5,000 every Sunday. What does the individual believer think? Well, I guess I just help make the church run a thousand or every Sunday, or I'm just one out of 10,000. And with all that emphasis on running more and more at the church, it's easy to think, well, if the Lord said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them, then if there's 200 or 300 gathered together, that must mean he's a hundred times more in the midst of them, of a group like that. Or if I go to a church where there's 2,000 or 3,000 gathered together, that must mean that he's a 1,000 times more in the midst of that group. With all that emphasis on the running more in a church, the image comes of God like he's standing at the door with a clicker, you know? And he's like, how many are coming in today? Oh, great, he hit 8,000 today in this Sunday. I'll be a, a, a 100 times more than in the midst of this pitiful little Mission Valley Community Chapel with its 80 people. Does that make you feel good? With all this emphasis on numbers, it's real easy to see that God is more interested in how big the group is rather than in the individual. That's why it's so important to see that God called Abram by his name. And he gives this great promise to him because that's how God works. God calls out individuals and he watches for the response of individuals. That's why the word him is so important when the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 10, 30-33, He says, The very hairs of your head are numbered, individually numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you're more valued than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him, He says, will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. See, that's why the word any man is so important in uh, Revelation 3.20, where he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. God never calls people en masse. He always calls and speaks to people in the way that he said about Israel in Isaiah 27.12, And ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. Now, there's a very, very difficult time as we've seen here for Abraham. And as we saw in verse 1, these things had just piled up on Abraham and just made him afraid. And that's why God said to Abraham, fear not. And sometimes we get ourselves just too wrapped up, too engaged, too disturbed in the world. I mean, that happened to me this week. I just got just a little too ensnared, a little too engaged in some problems at work. And when that happens to us, we just feel a little too Hebrew, okay? One of the definitions of Hebrew is dusty feet. 
we just feel like there's just too much dust on our feet, too much of the earth's dust on our feet, sticking to our feet. I mean, and for Abraham, all the slaughter of the kings and nearly losing his life and then having to speak with such a despicable character as the king of Sodom just left poor Abraham just a little too Hebrew, just a little too much dust on his feet. And Abraham was just afraid. And so what's the remedy for what happens to us? What was the remedy that God used for Abraham when he was just a little too engaged in the problems of earth? God's remedy for Abraham was to have his eyes turned to the eternal. I, am thy, I the eternal God, am thy eternal shield. I, the eternal God, am thy eternal exceeding great reward. And he needed just to turn his focus on all the implications of what it meant, as we've been trying to look at a little bit today, of what God meant when he said, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He needed to turn his focus away from the temporal, away from the earthly rewards on earth, to the eternal, to the heavenly reward of God himself being his eternal great reward, exceeding great reward. He needed to think of what it meant for, not the rewards, but the rewarder to be his great reward. And in the process, that therapy worked on Abraham, God's therapy, and some of that Hebrew dust just fell off of Abraham's feet. And that's what happened to me. I, I tell you that I love preparing for this class because when I do, I just leave scantibodies. <laughs> I just leave El Cajon. I leave that place, and I'm in Canaan with Abraham and in the adventures in the life of Abraham and God. And that causes the Hebrew dust to fall off of my feet. And that's God's therapy for us to get the dust of the earth off our feet, to diminish. God wants to diminish the things of the earth that disturb us. Because when we see the Lord Jesus Christ as everything, then we get restored. You know, it was a time in life of A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance movement, and when he had a particularly dry time in his life, it was very dry in his soul, and he needed an answer for his dryness. His enthusiasm was gone. The scriptures seemed dry to him. What was once a delight had sunken down to duty and drudgery. And so what he decided to do was to travel from New York where he was to Chicago to listen to D.L. Moody. And he got to what's now called the Moody Church in Chicago in time for the Sunday morning message by D.L. Moody was going to preach. And so he opens up his briefcase, he gets out his notebook, he gets out his Bible, and he's asking God, give me an answer through this message. But before the message, Moody's song leader, Ira Sankey, gets up and he introduces the first hymn, and Ira Sankey says these words, Jesus is everything, and everything is in Jesus. And when A.B. Simpson heard that, he said to himself, I got my answer. (laughs) He said, and that's my answer. Jesus is everything, and everything's in Jesus. And he shut his Bible, and he closed his briefcase, and he left. He never heard Moody preach that morning, because the phrase was what he was looking for. And from that point in his life, A.B. Simpson used to say, Jesus is everything, and everything is Jesus. And then he added, and go tell the world as fast as you can. He never forgot that last part, because that was the thrust of the Christian Missionary Alliance movement. Go tell the world as fast as you can. So when God tells Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward, that was the message for Abraham that with Jehovah Jesus as his protection and provisions, Abraham can say with A.B. Simpson and with Sankey, Jesus is everything, and everything is in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Help us, Lord, to orient ourselves around Jesus is everything, and everything is in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Tom, today you mentioned that A.B. Simpson heard D.L. Moody's song leader say, Jesus is everything and everything is in Jesus. And he later added, and go tell the world as fast as you can. Now we may have some listeners out there today that may be asking, how? How can I go after the lost? The Bible is very clear on this. The first step in going after the lost and being faithful to God to, with regard to our dealing with the lost is, first of all, recognizing what does it mean to be lost. You know, there's nothing wrong with the term unsaved or unbeliever, but the Bible doesn't use those terms. The Bible uses the term lost, and Lost is a very, very different word from uh, unsaved. Lost brings about it the term, the, the, the sense of a deep hollowness in the heart. There's a, when you say the term lost, the, the, what should come after that is, oh, no, lost, lost. You know, it's a very, very, very... Uh, terrible uh, feeling like falling off the deck of a cruise ship and watching the ship uh, go away or, or, or going out into a forest and losing your way. Lost. That's the term that God uses for those who do not have friendship with him. He calls them lost. They're not just uh, they're, they're they're not just they don't have friendship alone, but they're lost. They're aliens from God. So letting that term deeply sink in. What does it mean to be lost? To be in darkness? To be far, far from God? To be separated from God? Letting the concept of God's word lost sink into the soul is the first step to going after the lost. The second step is to seek the lost, to identify who is the lost within my life, to instantly identify when we meet somebody in our lives, oh, this is a lost person, to identify them, to become, so to speak, lost conscious, lost sensitive, to have a little alert inside of us that goes off as a, that's a lost person. In other words, not to overlook them, not to say, ah, that's the man who takes my dry cleaning. No, that's a lost person. Oh, that, 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 that's the person that I play tennis with. No, that's a lost person. To become sensitive to the lost, to who the lost are. And next, it's getting God's heart for the lost. God alone is the most qualified to tell us, What is the problem with the lost? And he says the problem is great. The problem is torment from God eternally. The problem is dying within sins. The problem is God's words are perish, destruction, alienated from God, darkness. These are terms of great, great problems. And so God says, and so the first step is to, or sorry, the third step is to get God's heart for the lost, like Paul did when he said he was so burdened for his Jewish people that he said he wished that he could become accursed from Christ. In other words, he felt so bad. It was a continual heartache with him. It was something that would not go away that he said, you know what, I'll make the great exchange. I'll 
I'll step out of heaven and I'll step into hell if it means that they could step into heaven. That's getting God's heart for the lost. The next step after that is to pray for the lost, to pray for them, to pray for them to completely cast away this notion that God has somehow predetermined and predestined who is going to heaven and who is going to hell. That's not God. That's not in the Bible. And you cannot pray for the, God, for, for the lost if you keep that. Throw that away and pray for the lost on your knees. Call out to God for this lost person to be saved. How should you pray? Very simple prayer. Oh, God, save that person. That's the prayer. Then have a life that is honest before God and before them. If you have a life of sin, you're only going to invalidate whatever you say about how to be saved. And then, very, very important, faithfully tell the lost clearly God's message for the lost. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's God's message for the lost. Repent of your sins. Uh, repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's clear message for the lost. God's message for the lost is not your life. God's message for the lost is not my life. It is the black and white of what the Bible says. Your life can invalidate the message, but your life is not the message. Your, your, your job is not to live such a life and wait for those to come and ask you a reason for the hope that lies within you. That's not the job of the evangelist. That's not the job of how to go after the lost. The job of going after the lost is to faithfully tell them clearly God's message, which is the black and white of the Bible. And your message is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You talk to the lost about God and you talk to God about the lost. When you talk to the lost about God, you are telling them the black and white of what the Bible says. The Bible says that unless you receive the Lord Jesus Christ, that you uh, will be not rescued from the middle of the road that you're on now to hell. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved from hell. You will be ransomed. You will be redeemed. That's the black and white of what the Bible says. Very, very clear. This matter is so serious that God made it so clear. Paul said, seeing we have such hope, we speak plainly very plainly. And it is a disservice to make the gospel anything but clear. It's very important that when we speak to the lost, that we speak very, very clearly. This is the way to be saved. Tell God you're a sinner, confess to him your sins, and call on his name to be saved. Believe God that he came in the flesh in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to die for your sins, and that he rose the third day, and that all you have to do is be like Abraham and believe what God said, and he will count it to you for righteousness. That's telling the lost the clear black and white of what the Bible says. And then it's also 
so important, so vitally important to talk to God about the lost, to go into the closet, to shut the door and say, oh God, my heart is broken for Jack. Please save Jack. Oh God, my heart is broken for Sarah. Please save Sarah. That's being faithful to God. Be faithful to God to tell the lost about God. Be faithful to God to talk to God about the lost with one simple prayer. Oh God, please save this person from their sins. We do not have to tell God how to save them, but we are called upon to cry unto him for the lost while there's opportunity for them to be saved. As long as there's breath within the lungs, there's opportunity to be saved. To be saved is very simply to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. A prayer might be something like this, O Lord Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I hate my sin. I believe that you, as the Lamb of God, took all my sins upon you. You died for my sins. I receive you now as my Savior. It's just that simple, friend. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Our resource this month from Tom Cantor is called How Would You Learn the Meaning of Isaiah 53? We'll also include Tom Cantor's personal testimony of how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll receive both of these for a $10 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program. And you'll receive a matching donation from Israel Restoration Ministries towards Jewish Evangelism Outreach, where we've reached in the past three years over 5 million lost Jewish people with the gospel. To order your copies of How a Jew Learned the Meaning of Isaiah 53 and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the testimony of Tom Cantor, Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Help us get the gospel out to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. Call us today, 1-800-247-3051. Get these resources for a donation of $10 or more, 1-800-247-3051. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.